Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So glad to be here with you. Happy April Fools. Um, But no joking, we have a great show for you. The music in the background is from our friend, Mr. John McLaughlin. His new album, Angst and Grace, is amazing. I hope you've listened to it. Um, A couple of months ago, almost actually about a year ago, we did a podcast survey and asked a bunch of you, thousands of you answered us. And we said, who do you want to hear on the show? And today's guest was the number one answer, I think for sure. Top three, but I think he was number one. Many of you know and love his music, but I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with my friend, one of your favorite singer songwriters, Mr. Ben Rector. Ben Rector, the world has longed for you to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we got to make it work. I really am. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Me too. There is no one the podcast family stalks me more about having on the show than you, literally. Well, I'm, I'm happy we could give them what they want. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Why? What is that about? I don't. Honestly, I don't know. I feel like uh, probably the Venn diagram of of people crossover. There's probably pretty good overlap. Uh, I don't know why, honestly. Do you do a lot of interviews? I don't do like a lot of interviews, but I don't not do interviews. Do you like them? Uh, yeah, I, I genuinely I, I do because I feel like most of the things, most of the interviews I do would be more along the lines of like a publicist set up a phone interview with a yeah. newspaper and those are usually the same four questions. Right. And then what actually happens is anytime an interview goes to print... And I get this. People ramble when they just talk out loud. And also tone matters a lot. Yeah. And so a lot of times people that are writing that down, it gets changed a little bit and it's like super shortened. And I'm always like, ah, oh, I didn't say that or that didn't come <laughs> right. off the way I wanted it to. So right. I welcome and get excited for the opportunity to get to do uh, like a recorded interview because usually you get to talk about different things. And also... Yeah, I don't, I'm not like secretly worried, like, oh my gosh, they're going to chop this up and I'm going to sound like a total Annie idiot. is going to ruin me. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. do like one of those things that um, Jimmy Fallon does where he cuts right, single right. words and makes his own sentence. Yeah. That is literally what I do on the show. Okay, perfect. So, That's great. So just get ready I can't, for that. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> um, we've had Simone on. Oh, awesome. And it is one of people's favorites, uh, favorite episodes. And he attributes so much of his Nashville life to you. And y'all's friendship. Man, I love that guy so much. And I do feel like, uh, I don't know, it was a weird sequence of events. He was just about, I'm I'm sure your listeners probably listen to this, or he probably told the story. He was just about, he was in Memphis, and he was going to go, I think, to seminary, but was also like, maybe I want to cook. And, and were y'all roommates at Arkansas? Yeah, we were. That's so right. So we, we knew each other well from that. And he had really started to love food then yeah uh and so i called him because i was opening for need to breathe on a three-month tour and i just wanted to have a friend come along with me he sold t-shirts but i was just like i'd love to have just a buddy because it's going to be a long time yeah and so i thought of him were you and hillary already married then yeah we were okay um and we were simone's just such great company in general and i called him not knowing if he'd want to do it i was like this would be a fun way to see the country I'd love to have you there. Yeah. And so after that, he, I think he crashed at Hillary and I's house for a few weeks and he was still kind of on the fence. And I was, I didn't want to like tell him what to do, but I really thought that he would be so good at food and I thought he'd really enjoy it. And just in that weird segment of time, Burger Up, 
tweeted they were looking for some form of a cook or chef or something. And I was like, you got to go. And he went and then like the rest is history. Now, I feel like now he knows one trillion more people in Nashville than I do. He's like the mayor of the city. He is. Yeah, he really is. It is amazing. I was at a mutual friend's birthday dinner last night, and one of the guys stood up and said, um, when I look around this room, I rise that there was this one decision or two decisions that you made that lined up this whole thing. Totally. And isn't it fascinating to think, like, you just saw a burger up tweet. Yeah. I mean, it's and, just and, amazing. Yeah, and that he was just in the right spot of, like, having enough free time to be like, yeah, maybe I'll check that out. Yeah. Like, I think that the, not for my involvement in it, but I think like him doing food is a good thing, like for people and for him. Like, yeah. I think he's probably made to do that. He's awesome at it and is a wonderful person. And watching him, eating his food is a treat. Yeah. But watching him create it and with the intentionality feels spiritual. Totally. Yeah. He I, Is I, that too dramatic, it, maybe? No, I just think I, he, I think it's a great um fit for him and his skill set he's just a magnetic person and he's uh he feels like very hospitable yeah he's like a great host and a great uh chef and i don't know he's that is that's a great way to put it ben when when you eat simone's food you're invited to something yeah totally i just love the idea that you didn't mean to and you don't take credit for which you could but you don't take credit for that turn in his life that has changed everything and gave him direction. But it's just amazing how one little thing can shape. Yeah, totally. And I feel like it's rare that, you know, that, that to me is a rare, that's a rarity. I feel like so much of the time now, I feel like especially with young people, I think people want a sort of story that fits together neatly like that where it's like, yeah. And I'm just like waiting for my one moment and then everything (laughs) will be. And I think what's cool about that thing with Simone is I feel like that's so incredibly rare and it's, it's even weird for me to think about. It's like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Like his life changed course in that time. But I feel like most of the time it's a lot more gray and just yes. like I guess I'm doing this thing. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I don't I don't want to like romanticize that and Right. Be like, we're leaving out the hard days. There were hard days. Yeah. And I mean honestly you're just leaving out that for most people there is not that succinct of a turning point. It's just like I guess I'm gonna do this. Yeah. And I don't know if I like I don't know. So yeah. That's probably too much of a bummer, but I just I no. wanna, I want to I feel like it's it, it's I see a lot of stuff like that be I think too celebrated and I just want to be like that's a little unrealistic. Oh, Not everybody good. is going to be able to be like, and then I went on this tour and a job opening happened that was always my dream career. Uh, it's just like, All that's right. probably not going to happen. Right. That's okay. <laughs> it happened for Simone. Yeah. But God likes it more than the rest of us. Exactly. So that's right. That's how it's going to be. Yeah. This may be one of the four questions that you answer all the time for people. But what is funny to me is we've known each other for years. Mm, Yeah. And I don't know that I've asked you some of these things in real life. So Let's do it. So what made music the right answer for you? Um, Simone saw a tweet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) And bought you a guitar or piano. I think realistically, I didn't think that I would be doing music. And I really loved it. I started playing guitar like in high school, like every person ever. And, like every, and, were you a Christian in high school? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I grew up a believer and like was in, I like led worship in my high oh, school okay. and that kind of thing. But I didn't have like a roadmap for this is how you can do this. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I'm also, uh, I'm pretty pessimistic and pretty practical 
And so I just didn't have the thing that was like, I'm going to do this come hell or high water. I'm going right. to move to Los Angeles. And I didn't really have that. And so it was uh, just kind of a slow development of growth of like, oh, I've made these recordings and people seem to like them. A few more people are coming to shows. And I definitely was working really hard at it, but I, I wasn't super like scheming to be doing it. Yeah. Um, and Did you think about doing anything else? Like, what did you study at Arkansas? I was a business major. Uh, Which actually comes in so handy. Could every musician hear you say, Yeah. It helps to have I, some business I, acumen. No, to- totally. I think I knew that I wanted to do music if I could. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like gunning to do something else. Yeah. I just, I feel like some people I hear talk about, like, I could never do anything else. Yeah. And to me, I'm just like, I could totally, if I had to, I could sure. totally do another thing. Sure. Like, if that's what Hillary and Jane needed to, like, live in a home, I would absolutely go sit at a desk. Like, yeah. I could do that. Yeah. There wasn't like, oh, I was always going to do this, and then music just happened. Like, I, I definitely in college was working, like, full-time to do try to do music, but mm-hmm. I, I wasn't like, this is all I will do. So right. it just kind of kept growing, and I grew into it, I guess. Yeah. What is your Enneagram number? I think it is one. The uh, I've taken a couple of the tests and then Hillary has gotten like, she's not like into it, into it. Yeah. Gotten a little more into it. What is she? Is she a two? She's a nine, she's I think. She's a nine. Okay, yeah. Uh, and and I, Jane is a perfect 10. That's I, right. Listen. Jane, Jane's a 12. I don't, yeah, she's nothing but perfect. <laughs> Here's what I would say about Enneagram. I've always been like slightly leery of it only because I feel like for some people it feels like they fit not only into a type, but also like have a perfect wing and they like find themselves and all that. And uh, I also think that there's, it's, and I know that everybody that's super into Enneagram and like really knowledgeable about it would say this, but there's sometimes where I'm like, I don't really know what my wing is and like neither one of those really seems right. And also whatever. I'm just like not deep, deep into it. I'm not like, you don't have to be. I know all about it and this, whatever. (laughs) But as Hillary has gotten more into it and has been like, reading through types i took tests and yeah. basically it seemed like that was the that felt and serious. i think the more that i have learned about it i think it makes sense with like my maybe like my struggles and fears yeah uh, i think probably coming from a place that i can understand from there i am a fan of enneagram but mm-hmm. i like it because it helps me understand motivations behind why i do sure. some of what i do yeah and listening to your groundedness and your um you are driven but you are not um insanely driven. Mm -hmm. If you weren't driven, you wouldn't do this. Like there's a lot of jobs that people can do that don't require you to risk. Right. Like you have to risk in your job. And so I just was curious because I I think it is interesting to hear, and this is a compliment. I think it's interesting to hear how complicated it is inside your head (laughs) compared to listening to you sing brand new. Sure. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And I I think for a long, for a long time, I didn't understand is, has been like super taxing for me to do music at a lot of the time, and I didn't understand that. And Which I do, part? I, a lot of it. Really? I mean, like, I don't love performing, which is weird because Just I feel weird like... because you're so good at it, and people lose their minds at your shows. You kind of say that, um, and I, but I think I didn't understand what that was about, and I think maybe in examining that a little more, I think what felt, like, hard and, like, out of control to me was as my expectations and as people's expectations went up a little bit, I was just like, I can't keep like being yep. 
this much better or whatever. And I think like as it's grown, I've had to evolve a little bit and I'm always, um, it feels like I'm never doing the same thing again. It's always like a new game. And I think the expectations that I have for myself make that not very fun because I always feel like I'm not doing a good enough job. So, and that's, and that's why I don't love performing because I think like I'm too aware of what's going wrong. And I think a lot of people are just Mm. like, this is awesome. People are looking at me and I'm like, I was flat there. I'm rushing. What am I doing with my hands? Like, I don't look like I'm having a good enough time, whatever. That's like, uh, that's kind of like what it feels like. And so I think for a while, it was just like, this is what it's going to be like forever. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this do forever. This. You know what yeah. I mean? It's helpful to understand that a little more. And yeah, that's that's a good thing, I think. Talk about when I'm experiencing something to like this, which is, I think it's so interesting. It might make me cry talking to you about it, about the switch between when you show up in front of strangers and they end up having a good time. And when you show up in front of fans who are expecting a better time yeah. than last time. I, I that's think, been really hard shift for oh, me. Oh, totally. And I think that's that's the kind of shift that I was talking about where yeah. it, it feels like for, for a minute I got comfortable in the position of like the underdog yeah, and be like, oh, this too, is cool man. and I'll be able to like impress these people. And then the bar sort of, or maybe the game gets changed. That was for me a lot more uncomfortable position. And meanwhile, the, the friends of ours who are showing up in the audience aren't actually asking that sure oh totally they actually are like no sing the album right that we listen to annie tell us the stories that we love whereas i have started feeling like man it was so much easier when i had to win you over versus mm. keep you oh yeah totally it, yeah man it, and then it, and then i think me up. there's a little bit of just psychology um yeah that's a tough switch to be like oh like i'm gonna fill up this stage for this long in a way that merits this mm. uh there's just a little more exposure there yeah you know what i mean yeah. whereas like if you're opening for somebody that's i mean that's what i would be in that situation doing the like hey like you don't know me that's for listeners who are like what are you talking about if you're opening for someone there's just a little less exposure and there's a little less like did i do a good enough job because right. it's like well like everyone's which is surprising because i think people would assume it was the other way around what do you mean that that when you're the headliner, it's easy going. Sure, right. Because you're the headliner. Yeah. And when you're the opener, well, I better work really hard. But what I experience, we don't get to do openers in my job, which I think is really mm-hmm. weird. I, I wish we did. I yeah. wish I could bring someone along. And um, But there are ways that my teaching and preaching opportunities mirror that. But, but when you're the opener, you kind of just show up and go like, I'm just going to do my job because... Totally. But then when you're the headliner, it's like, oh, these people drove. Oh, yeah. And these people flew. Uh-huh. And it is... It is me. Mm-hmm. And if the opener gets sick, they can call in another opener. If the headliner gets sick, everyone's unhappy. And and again, I think the pressure is from me. Yeah. I don't it, think it's from my friends who are showing up. It totally is. And I think that's it has been helpful for me to realize that like my maybe what I think is good or bad or like my bar for what is good enough probably really is it probably is broken. Mm. And I think for a long time I wore that kind of like a badge of honor like I never think anything's good enough but then once like I would say for me once things grew enough that became probably my biggest hurdle because like you can't uh the scale now too many things have to go out then that you can't like hold that tightly to all of them and when it was smaller I could because it was like no I absolutely can have 
eight revisions of this t-shirt design because <laughs> right. because ha 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 I'm so crazy ha 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 and now it's like no that's gonna like make you quit because like yeah. now there's a ton of t-shirts and a ton of this and a ton of that and it's like you just can't hold that tightly to all yeah. that um I think that for me was like a huge hurdle that and, and, be, and a huge shift that was gonna be my question is why do you not quit what keeps you in it I think for a long time I looked at music like I want to do as good as I can, make the best art I can, and make the best life for Hillary and I and whatever family we have, but like do it at a dead sprint and then just like not have to do it anymore because I was so kind of like put through the ringer all the time. And I think now I realize that I, I really do love, I love music a lot. And I think now a part of my job is figuring out, and this is luxurious to say, so this is not like advice I would give someone <laughs> starting out. Right. But for me, I have to like let myself be okay with it, is really looking at like, hey, what parts of this are sucking up all of your energy that you can like maybe let go a little bit yeah. or that you can change a little bit? Yeah. I would say just the simple answer to that is because I really love it. And yeah. I, there's not another thing that I'm like dying to do. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in other stuff and I've done a little bit of like, I'm interested in real estate and like I do a little bit of that. And I had an interesting experience where a property that I thought would uh, appreciate in value, I bought it, it did, I sold it. And when I sold it, like I felt nothing. I mm. literally came home from the closing and I was like, I guess we should go out to dinner. <laughs> uh, and I think I did, I just... that. You're like, that was, do you want those shoes from Target, Hillary, right, that you've totally. been wanting? And so I think I, the best. I realized that uh, I think it would be really, for all of the grief that I feel like music has given me, I'm, I realize I really love it a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's probably worth me sussing out how to how to continue to make yeah. it enjoyable. Not because, like, the world needs my music or something, but just well, I'm super fortunate to get to do it, and I really like it. And so I think, to me, it's like, oh, there are still big pieces of this that I really love, and I just stopped doing as good a job of, like, moving towards those things specifically. Yeah. You know? I have seen probably in the last six months, I've grown a new compassion and understanding for artists who quit and no one understands why. Oh, totally. When you, you're at the, they're at the top of their game and they walk away and you go like, but I would have paid unlimited money to see you. or I would have, And I'm like, no, I, I've started having those rumblings enough that I go, oh, I see how you did that. Oh, man. I'm the same. I love this and I love meeting people. How do I make sure I get to keep loving that? Yeah, totally. And, that's, and I think too, again, I think people roughly our generation – there's a lot of messages about like, especially in this general culture about like, find what you love and you'll never work a day in your life and whatever. And oh, that that, that right? really, honestly, that kind of bums me out because it feels a little bit like salesy where I want to be like, yes. it's not like that. It's and like, like that. give me a megaphone and let me shout to all of the people who like think that their life is incomplete because they just can't be a singer songwriter. It's like my life, probably a decade of it was excruciating because of like it being really hard. And I think from the outside, people would be like, this is great. On the inside, I was like, I'm going to quit tomorrow. Yeah. So I feel like I, I don't want to be a part of the message that's like, hey, like from the beginning, just figure out what you love and it'll be perfect. So like, I think that's like maybe advanced stage advice. Like I wouldn't maybe have told 18-year-old me that. Yes. I probably would have told 18-year-old me like, you know, work really hard to be good enough to do this mm -hmm. and you probably don't get to pick exactly how you do it if you want to do it sign up and like 
really try to do it. Mm-hmm. So I just don't want to be like, yeah, yeah, like I should have done that from the beginning. No, it's, no, no, it's, I'm with you. Yeah, this it's, is it's, not. It's a luxurious problem, but it is. It's something that I need to figure out for myself as a 32-year-old, not a 21-year-old yes. to continue to put out good stuff. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that's really true for people in our – I mean, I'm 38, so it's. I think it is people in our age bracket who have whatever their career is, they've done it for 10 years. Right. And so it's, why do I hate this some days? Why do I love this some days? I have put in the time mm-hmm. now that I get to I get to refine. Yeah. And I think it, I think it's the Lord doing that. If he trusts you with a little, he can give you more. Mm-hmm. But every time there's an upgrade, the other thing we're not talking about is the things in my career and in your career that have failed miserably. Yeah. Things have failed miserably. <laughs> but every time the Lord upgrades... There's a plateau for me, thankfully, where he goes, now figure out how to be Annie here. Mm -hmm. And upgrade I use really loosely. I mean, like every time there's another book or Mm -hmm. another podcast episode, it's like, okay, now figure out how to be be the best you here. Yeah. Or walk away. Yeah, totally. And I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. I was sitting at that dinner last night. I was sitting next to some guys who were in their 20s. They're single. We were talking about that very sentence that you don't work a day in your life if you do what you love. And I was like, no, you work literally all the time. Like, yeah. I-, I love my job. I work a lot. Yeah, You have to find balance no matter what your job is. Yeah, and I, I just think, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I just think there's, it's a little bit too romanticized that like, if you can just find the thing you want to do, not even that you will not work a day in your life, but just that you'll really love it and that that's what's missing. My experience is more just like, no, man, I think whatever you want to do, if you look at people at the highest level of that, I think underneath the sort of outward facing, like if you talk, I like golf a lot. If I, the PGA golfers that I've run into, they are not like, oh my gosh, just living the dream, high fives all around. They are, it's a really tough thing. And I think it's easy to just be like, well, if I could just do what I love, then it'd be great. It's like, no, I would focus more on like finding peace where you are because generally that's the pattern that I see kind of repeating throughout other things. It's not like you don't have the right thing and you need to find the right thing. It's more just like find peace with where you're at. And I definitely like, I'm sure there are people listening that like, you probably should stop. I don't know. I'm totally making this up like selling life insurance and go do something (laughs) that you want to do. Like I'm sure that exists, but I think more massive minority. Yeah. I think, I think more likely it's, it's kind of more like, uh, and I mean, people can do whatever they want. Like if someone really wants to pursue something, they should do that. But I just think the idea that it will be better than it is now to me is just like, no, it's just going to be a different and that's fine. And what's really true, that what you're saying is across every life place. Whether yeah. I mean, for our friends who are listening that are single, totally. who want to get married, the men and women who think when I get married, comma, mm-hmm. fill in the blank, everything will be. When I have kids, everything will be. When I get a different job, everything. It, it just never is true. And yeah, and I think that that's what I'm saying. Like the pattern that I see repeating, like in every other place, that line of thinking usually isn't really like the solution. It's right. not like, oh, well, if I just lived in a different house, I'd be so much happier. It's like, no, yeah. you'd be lonely in a bigger house. Is like, that, yeah. Oh, come on. Preach whatever. That. You're you know? exactly right. Is that one of the reasons you play Frisbee so much on the road and play golf on the road? Do you like find these things that are like really been and really true? I think I, I've been trying to do a better job of that. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I on some of the reason that I did that on the last tour is some of what makes me a little bit anxious on the road is there's a lot of moving parts and I have not a ton of, uh, (laughs) 
I have a pretty high bar for what I think is like good enough. And yeah. so, so many things can go wrong every day that it's hard and for so me to- there's so many people. Right, it's hard for me to check out and just like let people do their jobs because I have a little bit of the tendency of like being used to catching things. I'm like a goalie. Yeah. And like I've realized for where I am right now, I'm, I can't be a good like, to use a soccer analogy, striker and a good goalie. Yeah. It's like I got to just like have a good goalie and me go out and play the position I'm supposed yep. to play. So uh, You have to trust that tour manager so hard. Right, yeah. and trust the other however many people. And so for me on the last tour, I was like, man, I'm in all these different places and it's so easy for me to go to a coffee shop and then come back and just like hover around and make sure the video is working correctly. <laughs> yeah. and make sure the whatever. And uh, on this last tour, my goal... My like mantra was just like I wanna, I really wanna have fun because touring has become not mm -hmm, fun for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what do I like? It's like, oh, I could throw a frisbee every day. I could play golf. I could do whatever. I could literally get out of the venue and not just like hover around and yeah. be like, what, what's gonna happen? Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the reason I did that. Yeah. I wanted. I just want. And again. That's not advice that I would give an 18-year-old me. The 18-year-old me would be like, you need to be there and like make sure this is going to be as good yeah. as it can be. But at this phase, it's like, man, I, I need to like try to keep my head above water. And like, yes. if I'm just around waiting for things to go wrong, that's, I'm not going to do very good. Barrett opinion. Ward taught me that when I started my company, he said, um, which is this, I don't have like another side company. When I started my jewelry selling company, <laughs> no, no, no. When I started this, he said, you can only hire for positions that you have already done. He was like, and once you've hired, you don't do that job anymore. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it, it was very helpful for me because when I push things to my assistants, to my, I have a CAO, Chief Annie Officer. Wow. When I push things That's to awesome. her, when I push things to one of the assistants that works with her, I have to go, I do know how to do that. Mm -hmm. The only reason I can tell you how to do that is, I, is there was a time when I ran all of this. Yeah. I cannot do that anymore. Yeah. I give that to you. Yeah. And that is helpful. Hi, friends. Just interrupting this conversation with Ben to thank our sponsor. You guys, I am loving my shoes from Rothy's. They are stylish, sustainable, and comfortable enough to wear every day, anywhere. Have you heard of this company? They're making shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic bottles. They're so comfortable and machine washable, which I think is really cool. Rothy's has quickly grown to a most love, gotta have them brand. And it's no surprise they have over a thousand nearly perfect reviews. I got the pink flats and I love them. They're so comfortable. They like really do like mold to your feet and they look cute. People ask me about them everywhere. And I love getting to tell them like, you know that thing you do where you're like, yeah, and I just got them for, and they're just as, they're so cheap. Da, 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 da. I'm always like, and they're made out of plastic bottles. I think it is so cool. Rothy's are like the everyday flats for life on the go. They're stylish and versatile. They go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. And they come in a wide range of colors and patterns. I'm already shopping for my second pair. And they're available in four different silhouettes. Plus, they're constantly launching new styles. So you're guaranteed to find a pair or two or three that you love. And since they're created from recycled water bottles, they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. That's right. There's like zero break-in period for these shoes. And the idea that they're fully machine washable. My sister has a pair as well and has, told, and has had hers for longer and was telling me how much she loves that she can just throw them in. Every time they need a refresh, you can simply just toss them in the washing machine and it's like getting a fresh pair every laundry day. And I really love that they're manufactured in a zero waste factory and shipped directly in the shoebox. No unnecessary packaging. You're just going to love these feel good flats in more ways than one. 
Right now, Rothy's has an awesome deal for my friends who are listening. If you use the code SOUNDSFUN, you get free shipping with no minimum. So you get one pair of shoes or two pair of shoes or five pair of shoes and free shipping no matter what and free returns and exchanges. Just remember to go to Rothy's, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com and enter Sounds Fun to get your new favorite flats and free shipping. And once you try these shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable, I promise you're never going to want to wear your other ones. Head to rothys.com and get this offer with the code Sounds Fun. You guys know I love Samaritan Ministries. Christ's example of radical love displayed in the gospel can translate it really into every facet of your life, even paying for your health care. As a member of Samaritan Ministries, each month I get to connect in prayer for a specific person and send them a portion of the money they need to pay for their medical bills. I receive a note requesting and I send to the specific person and pray for their specific need. I can even send them like an encouraging note to let them know I care. You don't get that opportunity with insurance. This is such a different way to do healthcare sharing. So find out more at SamaritanMinistries.org slash that sounds fun. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash that sounds fun. And now back to the show. Okay. So you're not on tour right now. I'm not, I'm about to be. Okay. When do you go back out in the spring or summer? No, in like 10 days. Oh, you're going right now. Okay. Maybe two weeks. Okay. I don't know. I need to actually look at okay. that. <laughs> you're like, Annie, it's tomorrow. Yeah. I'm, no, it's not. I it's, have not done this it's, well. No, it's, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of, I would say I'm gearing back up yeah. now. So tell me the mental ramp up to do this thing that you have found ways to love that can be draining for you as well. I would say it's easier on this tour than it was. So this is the second leg of right. the tour. So what's this one called? It's Magic the Tour Part That's Two. Right. That's the right. first one was the just Magic the Tour. The sweatshirts are so good. Honestly, they really are. I had to make a special one without my name on it so I could wear it. Oh, <laughs> whereas our buddy John McLaughlin does not mind wearing his well, own so name. I would be fine with that, but I realized I wore one with my name on it on the tour. Yeah. And then I forgot I had it on and I went into a coffee shop and someone was literally like, oh, cool shirt. And I was like, dang, I can't do this. I know. So I would say this leg of it, there's less of a ramp up than the first leg because the first leg I had been deep, deep in like all the minutia of all the different parts. Yeah. And there's a lot more. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like you're learning how to do a new fill in the blank, new whatever, and you're about to do it in front of a lot of people. Yeah. That's a different feeling than the like, oh, we had a while to iron this out. And um, sure. there's a little bit of that, like, but I just don't, I don't feel the same amount of angst that I did yeah. two weeks out from the first tour. Yeah. And that's just more like, no matter how well you plan something, there's always uh, a learning curve of yes. like, oh, this moment doesn't play like I thought it would yeah. so we need to adjust it in this way or the transition from here doesn't work or whatever and so at this point most of that stuff is ironed out pretty well yeah. and it's a little bit less like you have a thing you know works right. and so it's just more like be ready to do it again and be good at it again. not yeah. does this work yeah. which is a different feeling right we made a change this weekend on the road and as soon as my assistant and I got my, my CAO and I got in the car we were like okay we did the best we could Here's the, some ways we didn't communicate everything. Totally. You just learn. Yeah. And so you just have to work yeah, and it out. You, you just obviously, like anything, the more you, the more times you do something, the better you get at what is and isn't going to work. Yeah. But there's just, it's always different when you go and you do something 
in front of people. There's yeah. a response, whereas before there's a predicted response. And so now it's like, oh, like this came across differently than I thought it yeah. would be able to fix it. Tell me about going out in the crowd every night. I like that a lot because I have something to play off of. Yeah. I, ha- I feel a lot of like pressure when it's just like everybody stare at me for 90 minutes. Yeah. Like that's not, I'm not like, that's awesome. And it feels great to get off stage because you get to do unexpected stuff and play off of different things and you just have more it's just easier for me if I have something to play off of yes. versus just like stare at me moving around playing the piano. Yeah. I don't have anything to play off of. I'm just supposed to like look cool or look yeah, something. Yeah. And when I get to do an unexpected thing, the bar is drastically lower for what is entertaining because yeah. it's just yeah. like, oh my gosh, you're sitting on that guy's lap. It's like, yeah, right. totally, whatever. Just right. like, yeah, do he was sitting there and he's yeah. old. I've got totally. to. Yeah. I don't have a choice. So I like, I, I like that a lot. And it's pretty controlled. Like I, I wouldn't go into like the pit uh-huh. of people uh-huh. because sometimes that gets a little claustrophobic and weird. Yeah. But like we map it out every night. And so there's usually a place that I can go that's not going to get out of control yeah. or anything. So. Laura, Simone's wife, mm-hmm. and I went to see Mumford & Sons a few months ago in New York. And Marcus runs through the crowd at one point. Wow. And it is like, I mean, you're watching him. You're like, this isn't, you're never going to get back. And literally he gets back on stage and says, someone punched me in the face. Yep. And you're like, what? Well, you don't have to do that, man. Like, <laughs> it was very cool that you came so close to us. Yeah. Also, I think you got punched in the face. Yeah. I think it's nice to, uh, I don't know him, but I think it's, I look forward to moments like that because the pressure is off of you. And then you always have something to play off of yeah. in there. And I can't speak for Mumford & Sons. I can speak for me. You can speak for, Mu- okay, speak great. for Marcus Mumford. I would say this, and I this may be like it will disappoint people. Most of the time, you plan out moments in a concert. Yeah. And so things that feel spontaneous. I don't know if he says I got punched in the face every, every night. Every night, right. But every night of my show... It happened naturally first, and then like you have a funny moment with the crowd where you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it back to the stage in time, so I need your help. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. I think if you went to thirty, we'll yeah, thirty shows of people, spontaneous moments are a lot less spontaneous than these. Yes, seem. and there, is- and and things do happen. Like yes. it, that's part of the reason you go out into the crowd is so that something can happen and be yeah. interesting. Yeah. But a lot of that stuff is more on a track than it seems. Yeah. And that, I mean. When I tell the first time I tell a joke, along with one of my stories when I'm teaching, it cracks me up and I keep it. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, yeah, I know I know exactly how that goes. I'm with you. How do you feel? I mean, the response to this album has been insane. It seems like people have really liked it. It's so good. Thank man. you so much. Thank you for saying that. I was really pleased to see people enjoy it. Um, yeah, because you just can't know, right? Yeah. I want to say like you kind of can, but I also feel like Every time I'm releasing a record, I have very familiar feelings of like, this is really bad. I can't release it. (laughs) And going to like, this is very good. I can't wait to release it. Like, you kind of can't know. Yeah. The Yeah, I would say it's hard to know. And honestly, it's also a different phase for me where for a long time I didn't do anything that was kind of in the quote unquote like mainstream, not like cultural mainstream, but like on the radio mainstream. And it was a little weird for me on this record for like, what does that feel like? What will I feel like if, so we released a single to radio. It did not do as well as brand new. I think for a handful of reasons. Drive. Drive, yeah, yeah. Um, And so that's also a different learning curve for me too of like, 
how do I feel about that? Do I feel like that's like a failure or is that just like fine and the setup of this record and the team around it just like didn't gel as much as the last record or whatever? And so some of that too is just a different, um, that's a different game for me to play. And so when you're like, oh, the response has been great, it's funny because I don't even know what I think a good response is. Yeah, that's Because good. I felt from people listening to it very positive people yeah. seem to really enjoy it and have nice things to say about it in a way that made me think like oh people actually like this yes. but then also it didn't like win a grammy or something right, right, so you're right. like so where does that put it does that put it as a like wow what a success or like not a success or what that's just a hard thing to yep. put your finger on sure you know? people ask me all the time like what are the what are the people say that don't like you? What do they say to you? And I'm like, I, they just ignore me. Like they yeah, don't. Sure. I, I only hear people who are happy. Sure. The ones who don't like me, ignore me. Yeah. And so I'm always like, yeah, okay, you're yeah. fine. That is interesting to have to define success for an album. I haven't thought about that for you before. Yeah, it's a thing that I didn't really have to think about until maybe a few years ago. I truly don't know what I think. Because I have kind of the competing, like I am, I want to do great work. I am competitive and like I have high expectations for my work. And I also understand that like I don't think an amount of something is going to ever make me happy. Okay. And so like those two things are hard to figure out how they coexist. Because in my, in like the core of myself, I, I am not trying to be like, a capital F famous person. Like no. that's not what I'm trying to do. And I don't say that with like secretly I do, but I'm just afraid to really try. Like yep. I really, that's not what I'm trying to do. But also I would love for people to appreciate my work and to be seen as competent and to be seen as good at it. Yeah. And so like what a success look like is something that I'm in this like season. I'm like, what, what is that supposed to look like? Yeah. Is it enough for me to be like, I'm very proud of the work I did and I know in my core that I think it is very good. Like, is yes. that enough? Or do I need a, if that's not enough, it just starts to get a little bit fuzzy after yeah. that because I know that like, okay, you could sell X amount of records or stream X amount of records now. What is enough there? Right. I don't, and I don't know. That's right. not, and, and I'm not saying that I don't think it's okay just to be like, so who even cares? So like, you know, I think that's an okay thing to ask. I just don't know what answer yeah. <laughs> I think is right. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's almost like, okay, can, do I do enough work that I can pay my bills and be generous? And that's that has to be question number one, because mm. if you can't pay your bills, you got to get yeah. another job. Then the question is, okay, so what? when am I satisfied? Totally. That, to me, that, that's the question I've had to ask more is, is less using the word success and more using the word satisfied for me. Yeah, totally. Because I we've got I've got to say, yeah, I'm I am satisfied if people like the work. Yeah. Or am I satisfied if I sell a million books? Right. I mean and I'm okay. Either answer is fine. Yeah. I just have to determine. <sighs> totally. I think I think that's right. And I, yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with whatever your goal is. I think that's right. I don't think it's a problem if people are like, what I really think that I want to do is to sell this amount of whatever yeah. or to be this amount of I probably think it's probably not okay just to aim for that but right. I think it's fine to be ambitious in that way I'm not like sliding in that like you shouldn't care about that I th if you want to care about that I think that yeah. is totally yeah. fine but it's just hard to define what you think is yeah when you're like oh that was that was good enough that was sufficient I don't know how to do that you know behind your back I have often 
thought and said and considered you incredibly wise. Oh, thank but you. But to listen to you process how you answer questions. I was all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now that I've heard you for all these minutes, I'm pretty sure you're not. No, no, I, I want to say to your face, the way you are thoughtful, you're not even thinking about leadership, I don't think, but the way oh, you're you. thoughtfully leading the people that are listening today is just, it's so wise. Do oh. you go after that on purpose? Uh, I don't think so. That's really nice of you to say. Um, I wouldn't say it if it went true. Oh, We'd be you. friends either way. You, I wouldn't have to say that. Well, you're kind. I don't think so. I'm not like, here's what yeah, I want Yeah, it's very much in you. I wonder if it's if, if like 15-year-old Ben told the Lord he wanted to be really wise and the Lord <laughs> listens, you know? I don't, like, that definitely did not happen. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, I can promise you, 15-year-old uh, yeah. Ben wasn't asking for that kind of yeah. stuff. I just it really respect how you are so thoughtful and give you're giving a lot of space for people to figure out who they want to be. Oh, thanks so much. I think that's, that's kind of you. really cool. Can we talk about Hillary for a minute? Please. And Jane. Yeah. Oh, I just, I can't quit Jane. I just want to see her all the time. You and Hillary got married right after college? We did. Who let us do that? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I think you have two choices if you want to be married. Yeah. You can either get married and grow up together, uh -huh. or you can grow up and get married. There's yeah. pros and cons to both. Totally. And I think I don't think either one of us were necessarily gunning for that or thought that that was what was going to happen. Um, but I, if given another choice, I wouldn't pick someone yeah. else to do that with. And I, I mean, it has been genuinely wonderful. And I feel like I hesitate to be like, it feels crazy to me now that we did that because we really were so young but I also feel like it has worked out well. And I think my hesitation to be like, it's so great is because I'm yeah. like, we were we were literally like children. Yeah, we, I can't believe right? we did that. But right. she she is wonderful and like- Yeah, tell has, me what it is about Hillary that you love so much. Oh gosh. Uh, I like being around her and I think she's smart and she is has integrity and she's patient and kind. And then also- I feel like we have very similar priorities and very similar kind of tastes in ways that we want to live because of my Enneagram oneness. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I'm so thankful that like she handles a lot of stuff that would be weird to handle with as much integrity as she does. Like I'm never having to, I feel like there's a weird thing of maybe being like, it's cool that my husband does a public thing and I, that always weirds me out in real life. Sure. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that maybe with someone else, I would be like, Oh, are you handling this in a weird yeah. way? Or do you think yeah. this is like cooler than you should or whatever? And I feel like I've never had to think about that nope. at all. I think that's wonderful. And I also, please let it be said that like, I am not that cool or that public and it is not a big deal to like, it's not, she doesn't have a lot to like cash in, but uh, <laughs> just the the way that she handles some stuff, I think is really admirable. And is I'm like, oh, you're so cool. Like, I think she like lives below her hour means really comfortably in yeah. a way that maybe other people would be like, I want to drive a nicer car. I want to whatever. Now there's anything wrong with that. At all. But yeah, that's what I was like when you sold the house or sold the property and she would want shoes from Target because no, that's so Hillary. Yeah, I think that's, I, I'm trying to like phrase this correctly because really I, well. don't, I don't want it to seem like I am cool or it is cool. <laughs> it's because it's really not that cool. But just I often with what our life looks like, I'm so glad 
that I got paired up with her because I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. And I don't, I like admire her and I don't have to ever be like, Ooh. not yes. that it would be a marital sense, not that it would be up to me how whoever I was married to handled whatever, but right. I'm just glad that like, you know, I'm glad she is wonderful and like we just enjoy being around each other. And she's, she's like consistently for the, I don't know, eight years I've known y'all. I don't know how long, a long time. Um, she is so proud of Ben, but Ben could be doing anything. Sure. And I just think and, that's so cool to see. And, and also I think she's also, uh, I also love that she's so her own person and is like, I think part of yeah, the, she studied abroad, right? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I remember think, her going to England. Right. I think part of the part of the reason I think she's fine with me doing wouldn't wouldn't think it was cool or whatever if I did another job is because like she's her own thing. Yeah, and she's not like uh, you know we are obviously a big part of each other's lives, but like I don't think she's like. Yeah, she's I was her, so she into it when when she was like, "I'm going over to do how long, three months or something." I'm, I'm going over to I do. I can't remember. Maybe it was like yeah. two months in England. Yeah, and I just thought, man, I have so much respect for y'all making a decision like that together. Totally. Going like, yeah, go do it. We're it's we're still gonna be us. Yeah, this is a dream. You have. we got married at 22. Mm-hmm. Go. Mm-hmm. So many of your fans are probably in college, graduating college. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have adult fans as well, but but I I think of my friend Chandler who's getting married this month. And who loves you and loves your music. But uh, what what advice do you give uh, someone who's going to get married when you got married? Sure. Um, I, I this, ex, this is expert advice, by the way, because you know what you're doing. I, so yeah, I would say my friend's dad gave him this advice, and I think it's really good, so I can't claim it. But I think he said, lower expectations and raise commitment. I oh, think that's, that's probably good. good advice. And also, I don't, um, I think it's a, th- it's a common thing for me and maybe people in Christian culture to be like, get ready because it's so hard and it's going right? to be. And I think um, I think it is that for some people, but it's also okay if it's not. I think yeah. Hillary and I's first couple years of marriage, it was not like, it was so terrible and difficult. Um, so I'd also say I probably came into it being a little more like this is going to be super hard and I'm ready and it was just like oh it, it wasn't that bad oh, so we love um, living together oh, this is fun yeah, we, totally. we like the same shows we so eat I, together. I would say those two things would be maybe what I would say like I do think it's good advice to just be like hey it's right to lower your expectations because you definitely have them even if you think you don't yeah. and to raise commitment and be like hey this isn't what I expected in this way or that way and vice versa, but we're going to figure this out together. That's good. Yeah. And then it's also good to just be like, just enjoy it. Have yeah. fun, you know? What have you learned about yourself as a dad? Because Jane's a year and a half. She's a year and a half old. Um, ah, man, I just, I like, I really like just being around her. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to think what I've learned about myself being a dad. Does she like how you grill muffins as much uh, as anybody else she does? She doesn't care. She doesn't care. No. She, just, I think, she does not have the finer taste in life no. yet. <laughs> I think I would say, um, as honest as I can be, I don't not like children, but I'm not one of those people that's just like, oh my gosh, I just love kids. Yeah. I, in like a stereotypical way, do love Jane and being around her. And it's just funny the way that works. Like all the cliches of having a kid are true. Even if, even if you're like, oh, is all that going to be true? Yeah. For me, it's just been like, yeah, every, like when she goes to bed, Hillary and I will like talk about her or like <laughs> watch videos of her. Right. Yeah. Just like a stupid 
I don't know, like the stupidest cliche, like when I'm bored on a plane, I look at pictures of her. Yeah. And that's, I'm not really like that. Like Hillary on Instagram will always be like, you know, someone will have just had a baby and she'll be like, oh my gosh, isn't so-and-so so cute? And I'm just kind of like, not really. Like, <laughs> I mean, unless they're an exceptionally cute baby, which right. most newborns are not. Right. Uh, but when it's your kid, I told them like, oh my gosh. Like, right. you know. Yeah. It, well, to be fair, Jaina is extraordinarily cute. Well, I wouldn't know any different. Right, right, Truly, right. I, really I, I see a lot of kids. I really do love children, and I find Jane's okay. little smile to be irresistible. Well, that's... that's so well that's, done, you. Thank you. Very as kind As many of, of those as y'all want to do, you're, <laughs> are, they're welcome in our families okay. and in our, in our lives. Perfect. How long is the tour when you go out this time? And do I, they come? Do Jane and Hillary come? Uh, it's routed to where I come home... I'll do like four shows and we'll be back in Nashville oh, for three days. So it's not bad. Okay. The, you can't do that on the West Coast because of time change. Right. So like even if you on the days off were like, I'm going to fly home, you, you'd be home for like yeah. one evening. And that's just not really worth it for anybody. So um, with Jane being 18 months, it's not super easy to fly with her. So the last leg of the tour or the last bit of the tour is like two solid weeks or maybe like 15 days. And I was talking with Hillary and I was like, hey – we got days off in LA. Uh, do you want to come? Whatever. And she was kind of like giggling. It was just like, yeah, we're probably not going to come. And I was just <laughs> like, great. She's like, I'm sorry if you really want us to. And I was yeah. like, no, I mean, obviously I want to see you guys, but it's a lot to ask to be like, fly out of here. So right. uh, for that part of the tour, they won't come out. Um, whereas maybe if it was just Hillary and I, sure. she used to fly out for stuff like that. But for yeah. this, it's just, it would not make sense. So yeah. generally I get home. Uh, a few days a week when I'm touring and then for the last bit of the tour I won't. I love it. Do you have any April Fool's jokes or stories we should know? Have you been an April Fool's kind of guy? Um, I feel real special that we get to save you for that show. That that you are the April Fool's show. I'm trying to think about this. Because I don't like being tricked. I did a like a thing where I covered some Huey Lewis songs and that was an April Fool's joke because I announced that I was quitting music. Oh yeah. But I mean I didn't I thought it was so clear that it was not serious. And there yes. were some people, like, I remember when the first video came out and I was like, I've decided to quit my artist career and be the world's first or best or something, one-man Huey Lewis cover band. I remember a couple <laughs> a couple comments on, I don't know what, if it was Twitter or Instagram or YouTube or what, but people were like, oh, so bummed. I really loved your stuff, but best of luck with the new whatever. Oh, my like, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, but I, I can't think of really another April Fool's, Fool's joke that was good. I'm not a great, like, prankster. Yeah, I'm not into it. I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not I'm, Yeah, I'm not super big into, like, being tricked or scared. I'm like, you're, you're actually just lying to me. You're not, like, you're, you've are you got a day-long joke where you lie to me. Like, I don't, I don't like that. Don't yeah. do that to I don't, me. I, yeah, I can't, I, obviously, I, there probably aren't any really great ones because I can't remember them. Yeah, I, so. and I, I used to love when, like, <laughs> this is dating me, but I used to love when, like, the newspaper would do funny articles. Yeah. That was cool to totally. me. But then when people were like, hey, I need to tell you we're leaving Nashville. And then I start crying, and they're like, <laughs> April Fool's Annie. And I'm yeah. like, well, I just wouldn't assume you'd lie. Yeah. So that's what <laughs> that's I get. Totally. Okay. The last question we always ask because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Mm -hmm. What sounds fun to you? Uh, I think going on a golf trip sounds fun to you me. You and our buddy Luke Fleener. <sighs> we're, we're going on a golf trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luke wants to be on the show, but he doesn't want anybody to know who he is. He wants to be called the Cookie Monster. He's been asking for years. I can't figure out how to just, do it. He just, he just doesn't want all his adoring fans to know too much about it. Today him. should have been the day. <laughs> Where are y'all going? Uh, we're going to go to Pinehurst. Oh, sure. Y'all yeah. have like a little crew that golfs. We do, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not like a, a specified crew or like the exact same people, but totally. there's a, you know, a handful of uh, 
people that all really like golf and enjoy what is it about golf trips that you love because i've never done that before i really like golf but it's also it's just it's a fun way to spend time with people you enjoy and it's like just like any trip like it's probably got to be with people you're kind of the same speed as like what you like to do or what you think is funny or cool or whatever but um yeah it just sounds really fun uh it sounds fun to like we're in Nashville right now and it's cloudy and yeah. uh, it sounds fun to see the sun and yeah. see some warmth. But just when you said what sounds fun like that, I was like, oh, yeah. it sounds fun to like be on a fairway with people I like and yeah. like be playing golf with them. So um, Luke is one of my friends that Luke and Heather are very dear to me. They, yep. I lived with them. I think you know that I lived with them for a while. And uh, Luke is so in a healthy way, so predictable, so <laughs> yeah. solid. You know what he's going to order at a restaurant. Totally. You know what he's not going to – we do not pick restaurants that do not have good parking because Luke won't. It's, he just won't. It's, it's been funny because I feel like I got to know him before I knew those things about him because, like, we started – we met because of golf. We had yeah. mutual friends who golfed. And so at the very beginning, it's like you're only seeing a very specific side of someone. Sure, like, I'm yeah, seeing, yeah. like, him in a golf cart, him yep. hitting a – whatever ball and, right yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say a specific club and then i was like oh nobody, you could have say i just like nobody cares about that the, the uh, dudes may care i don't know totally him hitting a uh a gentle fade off the tee <laughs> no but it's, it was funny as as we've become like real life friends yeah. it's more funny because i'm like oh you're like kind of funny and quirky and i, yeah. didn't, I didn't i didn't pick that up about you <laughs> but he Initially. is yeah totally man do not ask him to go somewhere where it's not easy to park totally and if the chicken fingers aren't good he's not interested <laughs> I right I, I love that i just yeah. love it i love that he is he is always luke he's yeah. one of the, my first friends that show me what it looks like to just be you for real totally and just be into it yeah Okay. Well, that's great. Thanks for being on the show, Ben. Totally. Thanks I for having me. I love Seriously. having friends that my podcast friends think so highly of. Well, I and hope, I, get to I, hope say, I didn't let them down. No, no, no. That's what I was about to say is I get to say to them, you are exactly right. Ben oh, is as great as you think he is. You are so kind to so, say that. So I'm grateful. Thank you. Man, what a great dude, right? I'm so grateful that Ben was able to make time while he's out on tour to pop into the office and say hey and us chat for a little bit. I just love the musician that y'all know and love, the man that you know and love on Instagram and on Twitter and in all the public places on stage is the same dude that, you know, sits across from a friend at a table and talks about real life. I learned a lot from Ben today. So I'm really, really grateful. Make sure you grab his latest album called Magic and go and see him on tour. It's an amazing, amazing show. You're going to really, really love it. There are a few dates left, especially out on the West Coast. So make sure you grab a ticket and go see him. And make sure you're following Ben all over the internet and tell him thanks for being on the show and how much you enjoyed it. I will do the same. I'm just so grateful for him. So, hey, if there's anything I can do for you, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs all over the place. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you need me, that is how you can find me. I hope you enjoyed today's show. It makes me so happy to bring you guests that I know you are already love. And so I'm thrilled about it. And I get to do it again on Thursday with Emily P. Freeman talking about her new book, The Next Right Thing. So in podcast world, she is the next right thing for us here at That Sounds Fun. So go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. And we will see you back here on Thursday with Emily P. Freeman. <laughs>